Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Strange State, a true crime podcast. Let's start off with the elephant in the room. I have been MIA for a couple of weeks, and I just want to apologize to you guys. Out of the pure bottom of my heart, it has been kind of daunting. I really enjoy doing this. I really enjoy researching the cases and learning more about each case, each place that we do, each state the people surrounding it. But with quarantine and all of the COVID stuff going on, I'm going to be really transparent. It has been super hard for me to get up and be motivated to stare at my computer or get out of bed in the morning. So I've been struggling really hard with that and really struggling with motivating myself to do the work I know I need to do and that I do enjoy just been kind of in a rut. So I really want to apologize again from the bottom of my heart and also say that if you guys have stuck it out, I really, really appreciate you guys. And I know it's been hard and it's not really fair because you guys are all sitting at home and I'm not giving you the quality content that you love so that you can listen to it and also make it through this without going a little bit crazy. Uh, So I apologize. I really do feel bad. But here we are, back on the horse, back on the wagon. Um, I'm bringing you a case this week. I'm also working on a Patreon case this week. I'm hitting the ground running. So wish me luck in keeping myself motivated. I am living off a lot of coffee to keep it going right now, finding little hobbies that I enjoy. My husband has been making me go running which, if you know me at all, I do not enjoy the task of running. But we've been trying trail running, because we do live in the mountains, and so that's actually been kind of nice. It gives you something to look at while you think you're dying. Although, I will admit that the other day we went running, and he got way ahead of me because I stopped running and was walking. And... I was listening to a podcast uh, called The Moonlit Road, which is an awesome podcast. If you've ever listened to the No Sleep podcast, I'm also a huge fan of that one. And The Moonlit Road is very similar to that, only with like Southern folk tales, which um, I'm from North Carolina. I love a good Southern folk tale. And so it's very interesting. It was like rainy and chilly outside. My husband is so far off in the distance. I don't know where he is. And I had this moment where I just thought crime junkies would not be proud of me. I'm not proud of me. I'm running alone in the woods, both ear headphone thingies in my ears, listening to scary stories. That is against every rule in the book. Um, I'm ashamed at myself. So I just had to own up to that because I had a moment where I was not using my best true crime instincts. Wow, it took me a long time to think of that word. And I don't think that was the word I wanted to use, but I'm sorry that I'm rambling. I just feel like I need to catch you guys up because I've been gone for so long. But let's get right back into it. We are still in Washington and we're doing a pretty interesting case this week just because it kind of indirectly affects people, which I think is interesting. So, We're just going to hop right on in 
again, I appreciate you guys. You guys freaking rock. I also have to give a quick shout out because even though I've been crap at this for the past month, I got a new review on iTunes and these things make my whole life. They really do. And they keep me motivated. And I read this one and I was like, you know what? I've been feeling really down and reading this one made me want to get back to it. So I'm just going to give Stacy P-H-E-R, that's the name on here, um, like a quick shout out because it says, just started listening yesterday and I'm hooked. Great storyteller and already a few cases I haven't heard of before. Keep up the good work. And just something that simple really, really made my day and really made me feel like, you know what? People are enjoying what you're doing. You're doing this for other people and you need to get out there and you need to restart it. And it really lit a fire under me, so to speak. So Stacy P-H-E-R, I don't know how you pronounce that. I'm not going to try to butcher it. Shout out to you, man. Thank you so much. I hope you're still enjoying it. I hope you stuck through it. And this episode this week is for you. So, Stella Maudine Stevenson was born on August the 7th, 1943 in Oregon to her mother, Joe and father, George Stevenson. Her childhood was short-lived when at 16, she became pregnant with her daughter, Cynthia. She then made her way to Southern California with little Cynthia in tow. It wasn't long before she was pregnant again, and this time she found herself married. Stella was kind of unstable and had a real love affair with partying, so that marriage did not last long. That's when her trouble with the law started. In 1968, she was convicted for fraud, and soon after, she beat Cynthia, little sweet Cynthia, with a curtain rod where she was sentenced to court-ordered counseling. Very interesting so far. Only Cynthia, not the other child. There is not a lot of information about the other child, so I'm not sure what happened to them. I don't know if maybe they went to go live with Dad or what the case may be. But in 1971, she was sentenced to six months in jail for another fraud charge. Jail didn't do much to tame Stella, and in 1974, she met fellow partier Bruce Nickel, and it was love. Hence the air quotes. Bruce was a heavy machine operator and self-proclaimed, proclaimed, goodness gracious, I was doing so well, proclaimed alcoholic who loved to party as much as Stella did. It was a match made in heaven, for a little while anyway. They were married in 1976. Not long after, Bruce had a change of heart. He ended up going to rehab and giving up the drink for good. He wanted to give Stella and her children a really good life and didn't feel like he could do that while under the influence of alcohol. This greatly upset Stella as she found sober Bruce rather boring. He wouldn't put up with her antics and he obviously didn't want to be partying anymore. Stella threw herself into her hobby of aquarium maintaining, which just sounds thrilling, just a very very fun hobby there for the party girl Stella. <laughs> they lived peacefully until 1986 when Bruce suddenly became ill, coming home with a headache and collapsing only minutes later. 
After being unable to revive him at the hospital, he was pronounced dead from complications with emphysema. Less than a week later, the tragedy continued in Auburn, Washington, when a bank manager, Susan Snow, collapsed in the early morning hours while going through her morning routine. Her 15-year-old daughter found her on the bathroom floor. She was rushed to the hospital and also died shortly after being transported there. Susan was recently remarried and living in what she called the happiest time of her life. At 40 years old, she was still described as having her cheerleader good looks, who had two wonderful daughters, and as her husband later described their life, they were madly in love and couldn't stay away from each other. During her mandatory autopsy, because of being so young, the assistant medical examiner noticed something really strange. Aha, uh-huh, call back. That strange thing that they noticed was the weird smell of bitter almonds coming from the body. Now, if you are a true crime fan, you know, well, any smells that don't smell like decomposition are immediately suspicious, for starters, coming from a dead body. But secondly, bitter almonds are, like, famous. Well, needless to say, they sent samples off for testing. The smell of bitter almonds can only mean one thing inside of the human body, and the test confirmed their suspicions. Susan's cause of death was acute cyanide poisoning, and her mysterious death had just become a murder. The police immediately began investigating, asking her family about her routine, searching her home, and quickly they found the culprit, a bottle of Excedrin that was in the bathroom cabinet, Apparently, Susan would take two capsules every single morning using that caffeine as a perker up. Yeah, to perk herself up instead of a cup of coffee. The odd thing was that her husband had also taken two of the capsules that morning, and he was feeling fine. They tested the whole bottle and found that only three pills out of the 60 that were left in the bottle were laced with the poison. Red flags were immediately raised because of a recent case in Chicago of tampered with Tylenol and ended up killing seven people. That case was never solved and has never been solved, but police were determined that this was not going to be another case like that and they were going to bring someone to justice. At the time of their search, they found one other bottle in a nearby town and the manufacturers of Excedrin had to act quickly. They spoke out and they came together and they offered a very large sum of $300,000 as a reward to catch whoever was tampering with the pills. Not one to turn away a little attention, Stella Nickel came forward and said that her husband had also recently passed away and had taken Excedrin only hours before he died. After investigation, the police found that the two bottles that were in the Nickel household came back positive for cyanide, as did Bruce's body. The families of those affected quickly filed wrongful death suits against the manufacturers of the medications, and it turned into a full-blown federal investigation. As a side note, I think it is important to let you guys know, if you didn't know, that the ability to smell bitter almonds or cyanide in the human body, or I guess anywhere, not specifically the human body, is a genetic mutation. Not everyone can do it. Um, To most people, cyanide is odorless. So if you start smelling bitter almonds in very suspicious places, 
maybe check that out. Maybe make sure somebody's not trying to poison you, hoping that you don't have the gene. Throwing that out there. Okay, back to the story. Only one more bottle was found across the entire country, in the same location that Susan Snow had bought her bottle. Upon further testing of the bottles, they found flecks of another strange substance and sent that away for testing as well, hoping to track it down. The investigators were finding roadblocks at every single turn. None of the manufacturing sites had turned up anything. All right, guys, at this time, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Well, I guess me talking about our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So how are you listening to this podcast? Are you listening on Apple Music? Are you listening on Spotify? I bet you're listening on Stitcher. That's how I listen to podcasts. I love Stitcher. It is home to over 260,000 podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder and Crime Junkies and Cults and Haunted Places. It's got such a wide range. It also has smart recommendations and playlists so you can find your favorite shows and organize all your current podcasts you're listening to, and it'll even learn your patterns and start picking podcasts for you, and it hasn't steered me in the wrong direction yet. Stitcher is a free app for iPhone and Android, so you can get it on both, and it's awesome. Now, if you're listening on Stitcher, do you have Stitcher Premium? Stitcher Premium has bonus episodes, exclusive shows, and ad-free listening. I have Stitcher Premium. Do you like true crime? Listen to exclusive archives from Criminology or bonus episodes from True Crime Garage or ad-free episodes of My Favorite Murder if you're into that. You can sign up today for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 for an entire year. If you use our promo code STRANGESTATE, you will get an entire month for free to try it out. So go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use that promo code. Promo codes are unfortunately not valid on the app at the moment, but they are working to fix that. So it must be used on the website. Again, strange state. Free. Free month. Go do it now. Welcome back. After that quick break, let's hop right back in. With no other leads, the police had to turn back to the families of the victims and start from scratch. They asked all of them to submit to polygraphs to rule them out, as is standard. Everyone complied and passed. Everyone but Stella Nickel. She maintained that she was way too overwhelmed by the lawsuits that she was currently involved in to be up to it. Upon further inspection, they found a number of insurance policies had been taken out on poor Bruce Nickel, including ones that resulted in huge payouts in cases of accidental death. The investigators also found it interesting that out of the five total bottles that were found, two of them ended up in the Nickel household. Those are very, those are very interesting odds. They also had tests that had come back on the strange other flecks that they found mixed in with the pills. And it was Algae Destroyer. If you remember, from the beginning of our episode, 
Stella's favorite hobby is aquarium maintenance. In November of 1986, Stella consented to a polygraph finally, and she failed miserably. But at this point, all of their evidence was circumstantial, and we know that polygraphs aren't really worth much in an actual court setting, so they couldn't do anything. That is, until January of 1987, when sweet Cynthia, who is now grown on her own, Stella's oldest daughter, came to talk to the police, and she had one doozy of a story. She said that Stella had planned on killing Bruce almost as soon as the wedding papers were signed, telling her daughter that he was boring now and that he was sober and that she would be better off without him. She even claimed that this wasn't the first time that Stella had attempted to poison him, that she had actually tried foxglove but only made him sleepy. The FBI went to the library that Stella frequented and collected all the books that she had checked out. Interestingly enough, most of them were about poison, and they finally had the smoking gun they needed, a fingerprint belonging to Stella Nickel on a page all about cyanide. December the 9th, 1987, she was arrested and charged with five counts of product tampering, including two which resulted in the unfortunate deaths of Susan Snow and Bruce Nickel. On the day that Bruce came home, he kissed Stella complained of a headache, and took four Excedrin. Those four Excedrin resulted in his death. When the coroner ruled that his death was natural causes, her plan for the extra accidental death payout went up in smoke, so she had to draw attention to the Excedrin being poisoned. So she tampered with the other bottles, sealed them all back up, and placed them on the shelves where unsuspecting Susan Snow bought it for her morning routine. She then got the bright idea to sue the company when more greed took over. She didn't get to trial until 1988, and after a month of evidence and five days of jury deliberation on May the 9th, she was found guilty on all counts. She was sentenced to two 90-year terms for the deaths and three 10-year terms for tampering with the other bottles. She was also forced to pay a fine and pay all the rest of her assets to the victim's families. She was the first person to be prosecuted under the new federal law put into place by the Chicago Tylenol poisonings. She maintains her innocence to this day, stating that the police were so desperate to find a killer they had to misconstrue all this evidence to implicate her, but all of her appeals have been denied so far. Unfortunately, Susan Snow was just an innocent bystander and was just needed by Stella to make her story seem more plausible. And that is really sad. I will say, as I said before, the Chicago Tylenol poisonings have never been solved. I would like to think that it was a human rather than a manufacturing error. And I just say that because a manufacturing error seems way scarier because oh my gosh it could just happen at any time to me I also want to add how brave Cynthia was to speak out against her mother from what I've read Cynthia and her mother didn't really get along she treated her more like a friend than a mom and that she really liked Bruce 
And so was very upset with how her mom had been treating him. And I think that's important to note. A lot of the times families of murderers get caught in the crossfire. And sometimes they don't think they have the ability to stand up. And Cynthia was so strong and just knew that it was the right thing to do and she needed justice for Bruce. I also think that she was afraid that her mom would do the same thing to her if she got away with it. And I also find it really ironic that Stella was her own undoing. If she would have just left it alone, the police would have never suspected that Bruce had been poisoned. But because her greed took over and she wanted to be able to take out the lawsuits against the companies and get that accidental death payout, she put the nail in her own coffin. So, just goes to show you that greed will get you every time. Alright, moral stories aside, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, our first episode back in a month. Thank you again for sticking it out with me. I really appreciate you guys. We are going to be doing one more episode in Washington, and then we are going to be switching to a new state, which I've already decided and I'm really excited about. Uh, when I was Googling, I didn't realize that... As of 2018, this state was the third highest in the USA for violent crime. That's insane to me because it is so close to home. So I might post some clues on the Instagram page and let's see who can guess it first. You'll get a shout out on the podcast. I also would love some people to reach out with like your thoughts and concerns on the podcast so far. I want to make this podcast something I enjoy doing, but you guys really enjoy listening to. So if you have any ideas for future cases, if there's something that you want to hear about, that you want me to read about, anything, please reach out. We have a Gmail. I say we, it's really just me. Um, I have a Gmail account, strangestatepod at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram, Strange State Pod. Nice and easy. You can follow my regular Instagram. I don't mind that either. It's been a lot of fun to bring this to you guys, and I really do appreciate you guys' patience. You are the best fans in the entire world, and I just appreciate you so much. You guys freaking rock. And I want to do some really big things for you soon. I want to get some merch going. I know I talk about it a lot. It is so much of an undertaking and I didn't realize it. So that's me. I usually bite off a little bit more than I can chew, but I have a great family and great support system that are totally willing to help me out. And I want to get some things out there for you guys. Another big plug question favor to ask if you guys love to create things and enjoy this podcast I would love to see some fan art that I could post on the Instagram page and on our website 
and really get you guys noticed because you guys are the backbone of this podcast. So anything you guys want to do, please reach out to me. Check out the website. I'm going to have a page uploaded later today about the case we talked about today. Let me know if you want to see some more fun stuff. I'm going to be posting some interesting things on Patreon. Uh, I'm hoping maybe a cult episode, maybe a ghost story or two, depending on what tier you are. So keep a lookout for that. Again, I love you guys so much. Thank you for being there. Thank you for letting me rant for 30 minutes about my life and how I feel about other things. And I hope that you guys stay strange. Until next time.